Welcome to the Golf Exposed Podcast. It is non-stop trash stuff. I'm supposed to be pros here. I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf. Golf Exposed Podcast. But it wasn't talked about like it is now. We got our kicked. Where we give you the good, the bad, and the truth about golf business, betting, and stories. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Golf Exposed Podcast. Today we are joined by two young men, both Kyle and Brent Peace. Now Brent Peace is now the executive director of the Kyle Peace Foundation and an endurance sports coach. Brent is also an avid golfer who still competes in endurance sports at a high level and is often joined by his brother Kyle who requires assistance to maneuver the race course terrain. More on that shortly. Brent and his brother Kyle received national headlines on CNN Sports and other prestigious publications a few years back, and we want them to elaborate and tell the story better than we ever could. Brent's brother Kyle has a form of cerebral palsy, and together their bond and their story is nothing short of awe-inspiring. Brent, I'm going to share a quote that I found in a video featuring yourself and your brother. And Brent said, when Kyle and I competed in our first Iron Man together. He borrowed my legs, but I borrowed his spirit. Well, first of all, Brent and Kyle, welcome to the Golf Exposed podcast. One of the first things I noticed, you said our first Iron Man, which means plural, more than one. Dear God, <laughs> yeah. what an undertaking. Yeah. And secondly, John and myself are about roughly the same age as you. I don't know how old Kyle is. John and I like to lie to ourselves and pretend that we're still athletes that are uh, at least of moderate acclaim. But we ain't doing no Ironman anytime soon. I did a tough mutter in 2012. It was nothing to write home about, but I finished. So first and foremost, before we dive in, what drives someone to want to pursue endurance sports? Something that treacherous, not only as a leisurely activity, but as a career. When I pull out a seven iron for 135 yard shot, you guys might not think I'm such an athlete anymore. But endurance sports, there's, there is a little bit of an addictive nature to it. Um, and so we all come to it for different reasons, but we all stay for the same one. And that's the process of, of seeing this self-improvement over and over and over again. And there's this, you know, it's, there's, there is actually a little bit of relation to golf or maybe to borrow from tin cup, you know, that perfection is unattainable, you know, so we keep coming back to chase that perfection. So, you know, I got started in endurance sports for just personal reasons. I was out of shape. I was, going hard and in every direction and I didn't like those directions. And so, you know, I, I grew up a swimmer and so I started running, I started swimming and before I knew it, I bought a bike and had signed up for my first triathlon and I got hooked in on that process. I just loved doing stuff every day that made me feel like I was getting better. And it, and it was, and it was spilling into other areas of my life and my professional life, um, my family life. I mean, everything was benefiting and it just kind of built into this Ironman world for me. Um, but it, it's also what keeps me there now that, you know, I keep wanting to chase that, that seemingly unattainable perfection. So Brent, your brother, Kyle, who joins us today, he seems to be the heart and soul of your family. Everything I've read about you seems to indicate that. And I think it was 2010, correct me if I'm wrong. He broached the topic to you about possibly competing or someone, could someone like him compete in an Ironman competition? I can't even fathom doing that myself. So that alone is a mind blowing statement. What was your initial reaction when Kyle asked you that question? And since Kyle's here, we can ask him if he remembers making that statement. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, I'll let Kyle tell you about the conversation because he remembers the details of that a little better. I was a little, little throttled for my first Ironman, but you know, Kyle, Kyle is the heart and soul of the family. And it's because you can see just the life lessons that he gives us every day. And, you know, Kyle, nobody would question Kyle if he wanted to just sit in his wheelchair all day and have people take care of him. And Kyle takes care of himself. You know, he's sitting in his own room doing this podcast by himself. Somebody didn't have to figure out the whole setup for him. He's doing it. You know, we go to races sometimes together and he won't let me even drive him. He takes two trains and a couple of buses and it takes him two hours, you know, and so we see it every day. And Kyle and I actually just raced this past weekend and there's this picture of us coming around one of the first corners that just perfectly captured it. Kyle has this massive smile on his face. And so, you know, it's hard not to witness that every day. And it, it, it's, it's what drives the team. It's what drives the family. And, you know, Kyle, sometimes he gives me a hard time and says, I'm too humble, but Kyle's way too humble when he thinks about the role that he plays in so many of our lives. And that was part of the driver in that initial conversation going all the way back to 2010. That was impossible to even say no, but I'll, I'll let Kyle tell a little more of the details of that. You know, when Brett first approached the family about going to an Ironman, I really didn't know what an Ironman was. But what I saw that day really enthralled me. Not only what Brett was doing, but all the other athletes. And it kind of reminded me of my life because you go through so many ups and downs. Our, our heart, they're difficult, but we all have challenges and we all have things that we have to overcome and minds are physical. But after Brett completed his first Ironman 12 hours and some change, we sat down to sit dinner and at the time, I really, I started asking Brett a whole lot of questions. And he was giving me very, very short responses. And now I know why, after doing my own Ironman, why he was so short, because you're dead tired afterwards. And you don't want to talk to anybody. And so I asked him, um, can people with wheelchair do Ironman? And how can you say no to your little brother? And it's kind of like golf, you know, in a way for your listeners, when you want to do something, when you want to commit to a shot, you have to be all in, right? And so I was all in and I, I wanted to do it. I always wanted to be an athlete. I watch 70 Falcons games a year even when they, even when they suck, uh, I watch them, and you know. So I'm, I'm passionate about sports, but I was always on the other side. You know, I was always, you know, watching my brother play or play adaptive sports growing up. But now, then me and Brett are on this journey together. We're on the same field. We're playing the same sport and. Uh, it's amazing, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Jordan, one question I wanted to ask from my conversations with Brent, one of the coolest aspects that I think that they've realized and found over time is that, you know, the endorphins or the rush of the competition, it's the same, you know, whether you have the physical abilities or you don't, the mental fatigue is the same. You know, I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit because I think that's kind of the neatest component about 
the actual competition itself. I mean, mentally, you're experiencing the same experience. Yeah, and, and the beauty of endurance sports is there's no rule changes. So Kyle and I have to do the exact same thing that everybody else does. And, and in particular, in Ironman, there's, there's time cutoffs for each sport. And the big one for us is the swim. The, the time between your swim and your bike, you have 10 and a half hours to complete. And if you don't make it, they pull you off the course. And Kyle and I have been on the sidelines and seen people be pulled off the course. I, I was at a race years ago um, where they were busting people off a very difficult race course. And that really spoke to Kyle. You know, he, he wanted that experience. He, he had played wheelchair baseball and wheelchair soccer, and he'd done all these different things growing up. But you always had to attach wheelchair to it, or you always had to, you know, modify the rules slightly. And look, it was great. It exposed Kyle to all these sports, and it, and it helped bring about his deep passion and love of sports. But that Ironman experience was something different for him because he was treated just like everybody else. And, and as you were saying, John, it, it also gave him that, af, that, that full rich experience that we all get from some of these, whatever the competitions, Tough Mudders, golf, Ironman, whatever, whatever that experience is that you're seeking. And, you know, the, the one, the, the two things that always stuck out to me was after our first Ironman together in 2013, long story short, we had a bunch of different vehicles and we all get separated. And so we don't have Kyle's wheelchair. So we lay all the seats down in the back of this SUV and we're like, just get him in the car. We got to get away from this race scene. And before we had closed the hatch of the car, Kyle was asleep. He was so physically and mentally spent from, you know, 15 plus hours of racing that he couldn't even hold his eyes open. Now the, the bonus of course, was that I got two hamburgers for dinner instead of one and Kyle went to bed hungry. Although I don't know that that mattered, but you know, the other thing that happened recently, Kyle and I were just talking in a casual conversation with some other athletes and we were explaining to them, you know, Kyle sits in a wheelchair for 16 to 18 hours a day. So to push his body through 140.6 miles of racing is incredibly difficult, but it's also difficult for me to carry a human being that far. And so as we're talking though, you hear the, the mental stuff that I struggle with and it's where Kyle, it's where that saying came from because Kyle's spirit shines through when I need him most. But can you imagine the mental energy it must take Kyle to not only deal with his physical limitations, to not only deal with what he's battling mentally, but now he's got to listen to his brother whine and complain. You know, the, the joke between us is, you know, why don't you come back here and push this wheelchair? And he's like, why don't you come sit in the wheelchair? So there, there's just this, this whole mental component and, and, and we failed at it so many times. I mean, there, Kyle and I have quit thousands of races in our heads before we even started them, but we always start and we always do everything we can to finish. And that I think is what has always spoken to both of us because it challenges Kyle, just like any other athlete. Brent, that speaks directly to my next question, which is, you know, and I don't want to downplay the significance of anybody's struggle in life or the pandemic and how it affected people differently. But when you see what Kyle goes through on a daily basis, and yet he seems to always have a positive attitude. I mean, the, the Falcons were up 28 to three on Tom Brady, my hero. And he's still rooting for the Falcons. I know. Tom Brady just happens to be my hero, Kyle. I apologize. Does Kyle's situation in life and his seemingly always positive attitude, does that give you perspective when you're not having a good day? Or does that, does it drive you a little bit crazy when you see people who tend to complain about every little thing and you know, then you see someone like Kyle and you're like, wait a second, he's here. You know, you, the, the other people you have, you have your full health, you have all the blessings in life. Let's try to appreciate what we do have. So does Kyle, is he a constant reminder to just sort of check yourself and 
have some perspective in life. No, he is. It, 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 I think the biggest thing for that Kyle does is he tries to share that with as many people as he possibly can. And he does it through his actions in sport. He does it through his daily interactions. You know, he does it when somebody comes to him and says, you know, I, I don't like the way, you know, this thing makes me feel. And, and he doesn't say to them, well, I don't like the way sitting in a wheelchair makes me feel. He talks to them in the same way that they're talking to him. And he does the same thing for me. And, and he has our entire life, you know, the best way I can describe it is I, I, I felt like my whole life I was trying to fix Kyle and make things easier for him. But all Kyle was doing was trying to make my life easier and show me that everything was okay. And that, you know, Kyle's disability was not going to define him or our family or anything that we've done, that he was just going to be a positive person. And I'm, and like Kyle said, it's, it's not that he's without struggles, you know, it's just what he deals with is sometimes more physical and we all might, you know, everybody else might deal with it in different ways or what we struggle with might be something different. So it's, it's a constant reminder. And it's the, it's the beauty of what we get to do is that we get to share that experience and, and share those conversations with each other. You know, Jordan, John, I think, I think we all have struggles though, right? Mine are, mine are getting more noticeable because of, of a physical disability, but you know, I don't, I don't know you guys. I don't know, you, you know, your characters and, you know, stuff like that. So the, the impact can be felt by everybody with this pandemic. And, you know, hopefully when this pandemic is over, there's going to be another set of characters going to face us. So I guess, I, I guess try to have a great attitude and focus on my abilities rather than my disabilities. If it has given me an opportunity and a platform to to be an athlete and to do it with my brother, it's so sweet and it's so it's so awesome um, that we get to do this together. So Brent, Kyle, I want to take you back in time for a little bit to a time when Brent, you crossed the finish line of a triathlon that was being held in Raleigh, North Carolina. So you finished the competition. I had read that you were almost Andy Dufresne-like in your persistence to try to get the attention of the Ironman board of directors or the competition committee, whoever it may be, whatever governing body you needed to get the attention of with trying to get them to let you and Kyle compete as a team. You finished the race, and I can only imagine the emotional state you must be in when you finish a race of that magnitude anyway. Adrenaline has to be coursing through the veins, I mean, but you're also exhausted at the same time. So they literally hit you with the news when you cross the finish line in Raleigh and they say the Ironman would like to officially extend an invitation to you and your brother Kyle to compete as a team. Do you remember your initial reaction to hearing that news? And now that we're years removed from that and you guys have accomplished everything that you've accomplished, can you look back on it and lend some perspective now? No, I remember it very well because it was something everybody who does an Ironman event and, and they have half and full immediately thinks about Kona because Ironman Hawaii, the world championship race is the birth of Ironman. It's a, you know, it's a story about a bunch of seals arguing with each other over who's the fittest people on the planet. And it, and thus was born the Ironman in Hawaii. And so everybody wants to do it. It's on NBC every year. You know, we don't have a sport that broadcasts every race. There's one race they show. And so you know, even when I was training for my first triathlon, people were like, oh, Kona. 
And so when Kyle got into it, he had that same type of thing. Well, what about Kona? It was like, we're, we're going, okay, but let's first, let's do this small race and let's do this first Ironman. But we just thought after we finished our first Ironman, they would let us in. Here's this inspiring story. Well, Ironman, there are thousands of inspiring stories. There's cancer survivors, there's weight loss stories, there's Navy SEALs who jump out of helicopters before the start of the race. And, and there's not room for all of us. And so Kyle and I began the years long struggle of just trying to get into the race. And it was, it was getting demoralizing towards the end. It was almost the better part of six years, um, which at the time to us felt like an eternity. And so we made a commitment in 2018 that, you know what, we love this sport. We have this organization that helps other people share in this this sport, the things that we love, let's just go race. Let's quit pressing for this one thing. Cause it's not what it's all about. What this is all about is all of these experiences, ours, the people that we serve, all of it. And so we show up in Raleigh, North Carolina with no expectations. And when we look back on it, it's kind of funny. It was all coming together that we were going to get into the race. They, this guy that we know pulls us aside the day before the race. He's like, Hey, can I ask you and Kyle a couple of questions? And he's asking about Hawaii and we're, and we're not even thinking about it. And Raleigh, North Carolina in June when we were racing is not a pleasant experience. It's hot. And so, you know, I mean, at one point, I think I dropped a whole thing of ice down my shirt. I was so hot. Yeah. And, you know, Kyle and I got a flat tire at 50, mile 54 of the bike. I mean, all these things were begging us to quit, you know, and, and we finally get to that finish line. We get over the flat tire, we get over the heat and I actually collapsed into a wheelchair. I, mean, I was just so tired the irony and there are all these people like can we just take a picture and I'm like no we just like we just finished like I got to do this thing with my brother again and all of a sudden our friend that had asked us questions the day before his voice comes out and I see my dad and he's crying and he says Brent and Kyle as you know it's the 40th anniversary of Iron Man and we want you guys to insp inspire us for the next 40 years you're going to Kona and it was a golden ticket and I I mean I just started crying and it just like because it, it, it wasn't just those six years of struggle that I was thinking about. It was a lifetime of watching Kyle go through these ups and downs of living a life in a wheelchair and realizing that he was going to get to compete on one of the biggest stages. I mean, this is the Augusta National. Hawaii is the Masters. And Kyle was going to be competing with 2,500 of the fittest people on the planet. And it was just my whole heart swelled with pride and it, and it came out in tears and, and shaking and, and Kyle, it took Kyle a second to even realize what was happening. Um, it was, it was more shock than anything, but it was just a truly special moment for both of us as, as brothers and, and as athletes as well. That was, that was me of Brett getting the green jack even before we even competed, right? That was, that was us fighting through all the adversity for the past eight years. And then they say, here's your, here's your green jacket for your listeners that are golf fans. This is it. And so it was amazing, you know, for, for fighting for what we believed in. We believe in our skills to, 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 fight the adversity and here we are walking on the 18th green on Sunday and it, it was truly, I can't, I really can't put it in words, the emergency that went through that day. 
Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine making it to that type of level, that type of competition, you know, the pinnacle of the sport that, you know, you guys have been doing. I mean, that is, it's an amazing story of you just making it there, period, let alone all the challenges and everything you faced. What I think is something that everybody needs to know is obviously these were personal goals, personal connection. You guys wanted to do this together. There was a bond there, but you've, you've made what was a bond and personal goals and you've turned it into something much larger than that. And I'd love for you to tell everybody what you're doing and how you're providing assistance and support to other athletes uh, to have the same experiences. So when we first started racing 10 years ago in 2011, after almost after that very first race experience, Kyle said, I want other people to experience this too, because he had found something that truly included him in what everybody else was doing. Like I said, there wasn't this, it wasn't Sunday afternoon when there was no baseball games that they let all the kids in wheelchairs come play. It was the same as everybody else. And so that was it. It was that simple that Kyle said it. And that was how the Kyle Pease foundation was born with a mission to, to improve the lives of people with disabilities through sports. But the, the marathon, so to speak, started the next day when we tried to get the organization running. And it, and it took us a while to really start finding families that would come out and do this. And so over the course of this period, building up really to Raleigh and to Hawaii, it, the foundation grew into this huge experience. And um, in 2018, that Hawaii year, we had 82 individuals cross more than 700 finish lines. And so that one finish line in Hawaii was a small blip on the radar for what the whole organization was able to do. And I, and I think one of my favorite stories from that year and what just illustrates what we've, what we've tried to build together is a young man named Dale texted both of us uh, the night before the, the world championships. And he said, when you're in the world championships, we're all in the world championships. And that really helped bring it home for both of us that it, it wasn't Raleigh, it wasn't Hawaii. It was the whole experience that everybody was doing They're all of them finding their their inner endurance athlete, you know, and, you know, Kyle and I, and, and we've got another brother, Evan, that we've learned now that the most competitive athlete in our house is Kyle Pease. It just took a little endurance sports to realize how competitive he was and, and sharing that experience with all these families is truly something special for both of us that we're able to do. We are a nonprofit and we do rely on very generous donors to help us keep the lights on. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, we have a mission and a vision, but when the athlete, when they cross the finish line, and, they can, and you can see the smile on their faces, and for that one hour that they're in their event, they can forget about their disabilities, and they can be the athlete. And I don't know if either of you have kids, but if you do and they're old enough to play sports, you, you have been the soccer dad and you have got to experience that. And that's what we that's what we strive to strive for for our parents. For to get them forget, let them be the soccer mom and the soccer um, family member. Absolutely inspiring to say the least. It's amazing what you guys do. Brent, when we first started making contact with each other to try to get you guys on the show, um, one of the things that you said, of course, at the time, I did not know your full story. I had heard rumblings about it and I had caught wind of some news articles and some videos and stuff like that. But one thing that you said that of course struck me since we were just embarking down the new endeavor of the Golf Exposed podcast 
You said the pandemic really helped you recapture your passion for golf. Um, we know that you, along with being an endurance athlete and a coach, you're still an avid golfer. Was it more what John touched on earlier? Was it that you couldn't compete in the same way with a lot of big time public races probably being canceled due to the pandemic? So was it that internal competition of just yourself and the golf course? What about the game that we all know and love specifically? What was reignited within you during the pandemic? Well, number one, I had time all of a sudden, you know, the, sometimes these Ironmans, it's 20 to 25 hours a week of training. There's just not enough time for, you know, even an hour of practicing on the range. But we talked about at the very beginning that endurance sports has this, you know, this draw because of the striving for that perfection. And to me, there's so many parallels to golf. You know, you get out there and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to break par or you're trying to break 90 or whatever it is. And you're just constantly chasing that. And just like in an Ironman, you know, one little thing can go wrong and it can derail your entire day, you know, so you can go from, from being shooting a 39 on the front and shooting a 50 on the back. And then you're, but there's those one or two things that happen that pull you back and Ironman is like that. So to me, there was just so many parallels to what I had built. And I actually think Ironman gave me a lot of mental tools that I didn't have as a young golfer, mm. you know, being able to recover and, and racing with Kyle. So being able to recover from these bad moments, you know, over the course of 140.6 miles, you're going to have bad moments. You are not going to have a perfect day. Mm. And over the course of 18 holes, even the best don't have perfect days. And so that really just pulled me back in and, and having the extra time to enjoy it was, was actually a lot of fun. I was, I was chasing things that I hadn't chased in over 10 years. So um, now I just got to figure out how to find a few extra hours every week and every month. I am no golfer. By no means, I don't think you want me to go out and play 18 holes. But what I love about golf is a couple of things. One, the golf courses are so pretty out there. Uh, I mean, you look at this weekend, they're at TPC Tallgrass. Um, I remember playing video games uh, back in the day where I would play with Tiger and I would try to hit it on the green at, at 17 and I would hit it in the water so many times. But the beauty that, that golf offers. And the second one that I think is most important that I try to remember in our races, you just put one foot in front of the other. And you just focus on that stroke in the water or the pedal revolution or, or running, you know, focus on that. And I think in golf, you know, if you have a bad hole, like Brett said, the very next hole, you might get an eagle or you might get a hole in one. Um, so, you know, just focus on the, on the hole. Don't focus on the path. Don't look at the next hole. Focus on, on what you're doing at that very moment. And that's, that's one of the coolest things that I love about golf. Do you hear that, Tiger? You hit in the water a lot on 17. Kyle saw a lot of rinse balls on 17. <laughs> I, did, I, I did through, <laughs> through video games, yes. <laughs> I wonder how many times Tigers hit the ball in the water on 17. We might have to just look that up and report yeah. back on the, on the next show. That would be fun. So, yes. But just on the uh, – I know there's a story about golf that you guys have that you'd like to share with us as well, which we'd love to hear. So what's your, what's your story about golf? We'd love to hear about it and just 
get a little bit of perspective. Well, this is a legendary story in our family. And I can't remember if it was 1998 or 99, but it was shortly after Tiger had won that first Masters. And like we said, that kind of ignited Kyle's passion for the, for the, golf, the game of golf. And so my grandfather came down from Pennsylvania. My dad, who had grown up, grown up in Pittsburgh, had gotten Wednesday practice round tickets. First time Kyle ever got to go. So my grandfather, my dad, and Kyle all go to the Masters. And it's Kyle's first time, and the crowds are, are crazy now. It was just a, you know, we all know the stories. And Kyle was struggling all day. He was younger. He was in a different wheelchair than he was normally in. So my dad was having to push him around. And it was just not a fun day. And so finally, as the par three tournament started, my dad goes up to one of the volunteers and says, you know, do you mind moving a rope? My, my son's in a wheelchair, and he's really having a hard time seeing. And I know you're not supposed to, but we really appreciate it. And the guy looks at him and, and he says, I really can't, but hang on a second. And he disappears. And he comes back a few moments later. and He says, come with me. And they take Kyle and my grandfather, and my dad up to the tee box and they lift a rope and they push Kyle's chair onto the tee box right next to the water cooler. And they're right behind them are my dad and my grandfather. And the first threesome to come through is Jack Nicholas, Gary Player and Arnold Palmer. So my dad grew up in Pittsburgh. My grandfather's from Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Arnold Palmer is their hero. And Arnold Palmer walks right up to Kyle, shakes his hand, signs an autograph. Gary Player signs an autograph. Jack's still a little competitive, but he's waving at Kyle. And my grandfather's crying. I mean, he, Arnold Palmer's his hero. And Arnold Palmer is shaking his grandson's hand. And they all tee off and they walk away. And Kyle turns to my grandfather, who's got tears in his eyes, and he says, who was that? <laughs> <laughs> Kyle was there for Tiger but you know he knows who all those guys are now but it was his first like big golf thing and but we love it because it was it was just this special experience that they all got to share on a golf course and how many fathers and sons and grandfathers have those stories and it's what Kyle and I create on a race course and it was special from a golf perspective that he was able to share that with with my dad and, and our grandfather yeah that's neat that's really cool so I think you guys should, uh, you know, obviously communicate here a little bit more just about where to find out about your organization. There's some cool articles. You can really learn about what you do uh, just to get it out to the audience. But like Jordan said earlier, inspiring story and, and perseverance. And, you know, you look at things that happen to you and, and it's really true, right? 95% of life is how you react to things, not what happens to you per se. And you guys epitomize that. So. Thank you. Thank you. So the best way to, to get more information on all the great things you're doing, be at uh, kylepeacefoundation.org. Do you guys have social media networks? Where can people find out more information and get involved with the cause? So everything is on the website. So it hyperlinks to all the, all the social. We've got all the social media. Our, our Facebook is a treasure trove. It's got thousands of photos from all these races. Our website has news links, articles, ways to order our book, apparel, whatever whatever different ways that you can engage and support us. But um, it's really all housed right there that you can kind of get to everything. And we just did a little reskin on it. So you got some nice cool videos right when you pull up the website. KylePeaceFoundation.org. Check them out. See all the great things they're doing. I'd like to end the show with, by asking the man of the hour, Kyle, one question. Kyle, you've done a lot of amazing things in your life already. You're a source of inspiration to thousands of people, probably people that you know personally, probably people like myself and John who you've never met personally until today and never met in person. But 
you know, who's to say what's next for you? You know, years ago when you asked your brother the question about, you know, can someone like me, could I do the, uh, um, an Ironman? Most people who aren't your big brother probably, like, probably I don't know. <laughs> but big brother steps in. He's like, hell yeah, you can. So for you, Kyle, what do you want to accomplish next? And if you don't really know exactly what, I mean, what, what would you, where would you like to see yourself going to next? Or would it just be expanding on what you're already doing with your foundation? I would love to do another Ironman. Don't tell that to Brett's wife. But um, no, I'm, I would love to to go out there and, and show more um, people what inclusion is all about. And continue to, to open more doors for people with disabilities to show what is possible, you know? And maybe, just maybe, you might get me out on the golf course and uh, hopefully Rocky Tiger cut back because I believe that he has it in him and um, and if I can do it, he can do it too. So, but we'll uh, be on a race course soon. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what we'll, well be. If you're now. playing, if you're playing golf, you got to come to Hilton Head and play our clubs, of course. So you need we, a little vacation. Come, come by the beach. Come play our clubs. We'd love to see you out there. I'll, I'll be back soon. Those are, those are, that's, I mean, that's how I found you guys through uh, yeah. having played those course, a couple of those courses. Yeah. Well, the mantra of the Kyle Peace Foundation seems to be anything is possible. You guys personify that every day. So thank you for the good work you do. Brent, Kyle, thank you for the inspiration that you give. It's truly incredible. And thank you for being on the show. Thank you guys. Appreciate you having us. Thank you.